Today is Monday, October 2nd, 2023. My name is Mark Beavis. On the program today, following a disastrous few months, Laurentian Bank has a new CEO. We're going to update you on that story. Also, I'll bring you the latest news on Canada's GDP, our federal deficit, and our country's job picture, and an investment opportunity that has been inaccessible to most Canadians until now will soon be available. There's trouble brewing at Rogers as workers vote 99.6% in favor of strike action. And finally, on today's program, can Alberta keep up with the immigration crush? Let's get started with today's news. Laurentian Bank said this morning that it has removed Rania Llewellyn um, as its chair and chief executive officer after it has gone through a, uh, a few very, very rough months of turmoil lately that included uh, sort of infamously a failed attempt to find uh, a buyer. Also, uh, just last week, the, the problems there were compounded further by a major customer service outage. Llewellyn, who was the first woman to run a major Canadian bank, uh, would leave immediately according to the announcement uh, after being there for three years uh, in her position. The new CEO is Eric Provost, who has been at Laurentian for 11 years. Most recently, he's been the head of personal and commercial banking. Uh, at the same time, the bank also announced the resignation of Chair Michael Muller, who was replaced by Michael Boychuk, chair of the uh, bank's audit committee currently. Uh, he was also very uh, heavily involved in the strategic review of Laurentian that included that potential sale of the bank. Uh, that review has, has just been wrapped up. Laurentian said that Mr. Provost's top priority as CEO would be to rebuild trust with the bank's customers and address the impacts of a mainframe outage that occurred last week. As somewhat of an olive branch, I suppose, the bank announced that as a result of this outage, it is going to be reversing all monthly service fees for the month of September. Preliminary data shows that Canada's gross domestic product was up slightly in August with a gain of 0.1%. Uh, this is according to a Statistics Canada report that came out on Friday. It is a, a slight rebound from last month, but still, in the big scheme of things, it actually shows very little growth. Uh, the economy did see increases in the wholesale trade and finance and insurance sectors, but these gains were largely offset by declines in retail trade and in the oil and gas extraction sectors. The manufacturing sector declined 1.5%, which is now the second straight monthly contraction in that area. Transportation and warehousing shrunk by 0.2%, with air transportation being the largest contributor to the decline um, in this sector. Now, if September's numbers are just flat, then the economy is on track to grow at 0.2% um, annualized in the third quarter. That would technically avoid a recession, but it's still nevertheless uh, a very slow growth rate. For those of you who keep track of our government's spending, the latest federal government budgetary numbers were released uh, by the Finance Department on Friday. According to the report, Canada's government budget deficit widened to $4.86 billion in July uh, 2023, and that is up from $3.87 billion in July a year earlier. For the months, revenues rose 0.4%, but expenses grew at a pace of 1.2%. Now, during the first four months of the current fiscal year, so this runs April, May, June, and July, the government has uh, posted budgetary deficit of $1.2 billion, and this is uh, a sharp decline from the surplus of $6.3 billion that it posted during the same period a year ago. During the time, government revenues for the four months rose by $2.86 billion, or 2%. Program expenses, uh, excluding net actuarial losses, actually increased by $7.2 billion, so that's almost a 6% increase. Overall, public debt charges increased by $3.3 billion 
which is a 29.9% increase uh, from just a year ago. This number obviously is driven by the high interest rate environment that we find ourselves in today. According to Stats Canada, the number of job vacancies in Canada fell in July to its lowest level since May of 2021. The number of job vacancies fell by 43,100 to a total of 701,300. This has now been a steady downward trend that began uh, in June of last year. The job vacancy rate is the number of vacant positions as a proportion of the total demand for labor. On a year-over-year basis, Stats Canada says that the number of job vacancies was down 28.1%. So this equates to 273,700 jobs. Currently, the number of unfilled jobs in retail trade fell by 12.8%. The number of jobs in the accommodation and the food services sector dropped 11.6%. A summary of this data basically says that there were 1.7 unemployed people for every job vacancy in July, and that is up from 1.2% at the start of the year. Canadian regulators have approved the launch of, I think it's pronounced Obsedo Alternative Investments, Inc., uh, which is an online portfolio manager that's aiming to provide retail investors and financial advisors greater access to some of the world's largest private market funds. Uh, Obsedo is a Toronto-based company. It's expected to announce on Wednesday this week uh, the launch of the Obsedo Direct, which is an online investment platform that gives investors, or DIY investors, I guess you would say, access to two alternative investment portfolios that will be managed in investment funds. They'll be managed by uh, more than a dozen global uh, asset management firms, including Brookfield Asset Management. Obsedo Direct will be available initially to both individual investors and to financial advisors who want to purchase investments on behalf of their clients. To date, in most cases, smaller investors have had very limited access uh, to this type of investment, and it's usually dominated by the huge institutional investors, things like pension funds, very, very wealthy individuals. Uh, But there has been a push in recent years to make these alternative investments more available uh, to the average investor. And this is a a good good, uh, asset to have. It allows investors to build a broader diversification into their portfolios. Now, in an interview with the Globe and Mail, Obsedo Chief Executive Officer Namir Bagash, he said, we wanted to close the gap that has historically made it difficult for most Canadian individual investors to invest in alternative investments. Now, as a retired portfolio manager, this was one of the areas that, um, even for advisors, it was very difficult to tap into Although pretty much everyone agrees that this alt space does add value for the average investor. Obsedo hopes to expand this private market growth through two new investment funds, the Obsedo Alternative Growth Portfolio, the Obsedo Alternative Income Portfolio. So uh, both funds will equally invest across multiple global managers. The funds can include uh, private equity, real assets, private credit and hedge funds in the growth fund. Uh, And in the income portfolio, each of these asset classes will be added with the exception of the private equity component. Investors will be able to set up an online account to get started, but because of the higher risk tolerance that's required with alternative investments, um, individuals who want to open accounts, they're first going to be required to discuss their risk profile with a live portfolio manager on the phone uh, before they're able to actually uh, buy in. One of the major characteristics of this type of investment that people need to be aware of is this type of fund, um, unlike most investments, um, is not very liquid. 
In other words, you can't just uh, make a trade and get access to the funds right away like you could with stocks, with ETFs, etc. You know, within a day or two, typically. Uh, in the case of these funds, investors will be able to make quarterly redemptions, although it is recommended by the company that they have an investment time horizon for, the, uh, for holding these uh, for at least two years. Uh, the funds also will have a minimum investment of $25,000. Management fees will be 0.5% for the portfolios that are purchased by uh, financial advisors uh, and 1% for those that are purchased by individual investors. Earlier this year when Rogers Communications merged or uh, took over Shaw, um, it assured that it would create 3,000 new jobs in Western Canada over a five-year time period. In fact, uh, this was a federally mandated condition uh, of the takeover, which was valued at around $26 billion at the time. Well, now the United Steelworkers Union Local 1944, it's starting to question whether Rogers is actually going to be able to live up uh, to that commitment. And now we see around 300 of the shot technicians that were absorbed during the merger. They voted 99.6% in favor of authorizing a strike if the current situation isn't resolved by later October. The previous collective agreement that had governed this employee group actually expired back on March 23rd of this year. And since then, the two sides have been at the bargaining table, uh, but they've yet to come up with an agreement. In July, Rogers offered packages to employees who left the company on a voluntary departure basis, uh, but they also uh, laid off an unspecified number of employees uh, as it works to sort of eliminate any duplication that occurred uh, because of the merger. The union believes that Rogers is now seeking to er erode some of the uh, contractual language uh, that was in the original merger documentation. And this language was specifically put in place to prevent the work of the staff technicians from being performed by uh, contractors or private contractors um, at homes and at businesses. According to Stats Canada, Alberta's population has set a new record for the highest net interprovincial gains um, ever recorded. As of July 1st of this year, 4.7 million people called Alberta home, uh, according to this report. This is an additional 184,400 people, or more than 4% uh, than the same time last year. Other provinces, including uh, Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, um, also saw their populations increase at records rates. And this is largely believed uh, to be as a result of a surge in um, international migration. Interprovincial migration is the difference between the number of people who move to a province uh, compared to the number of people who leave the province uh, during the same time period. The provinces and territories started tracking this data back in the early 1970s. Uh, the Alberta provincial government had projected earlier this year that the province's population is expected to pass the $5 million mark later this decade, but they've said in their report that uh, this could be possibly as early as 2025 if the current pace keeps up. The concern here, of course, is that in any municipality, um, how does the infrastructure of the cities support such a huge volume or influx uh, of people? When you look at things like education, you look at healthcare, you look at policing, um, unless major improvements are made to those areas, in cities like Calgary, for example, uh, you're going to see a major drawback to the to the uh, large volume of people moving in. According to the uh, Calgary Real Estate Board, uh, Calgary itself is experiencing record low inventory of housing uh, for the month of August with just one month's worth of supply. And in comparison, um, Edmonton has about three months worth of supply. Now, when people move into a new community, obviously they're going to expect that the infrastructure is there, that the amenities that they want will be in place. So what, are the, what options do they have short of dramatically increasing things like property taxes? 
a lot of these communities are going to struggle to provide uh, support to their new residents. It's a pretty quiet week coming up for things like economics and, and earnings releases. On Wednesday, we have the ADP National Employment Report and the ISM Services PMI. Uh, that might give us some uh, idea of where the economy is uh, at or, or going, more importantly. Uh, Tilray Brands is uh, perhaps a notable um, earning on Wednesday. Also on a Thursday, we have the Global Supply Chain Pressure Index. Uh, notable earnings, perhaps. We have Richelieu Hardware. We have Constellation Brands. You know, not the big household names, not the massive companies, but they are nevertheless uh, reporting on Thursday. You may be interested in that. On Friday, we have the U.S. Employment Report. So that's something that uh, I, I'll look forward to watching. Um, as usual, I do this report on Mondays and on Wednesdays. Um, as always, I thank you for watching. I will put a link for our investing Academy in the description below. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of days.